The enemy is within. We're going to discuss that and more, lots more, all the mess here in the United States on today's episode. So stay tuned. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode four, The Enemy is Within, in the words of Nancy Pelosi. I have a guest today. Ashley is back with me. Ashley, say hello to everyone at home and abroad. Hello. I always love doing these with you. Same. And this this week, <laughs> I should get this out of the way too. Let me just get this out of the way. We need some housekeeping. We need some housekeeping because we still don't have our boop together in the United States. So... America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. And for folks at home, normally when I do housekeeping, there's a handful of things that I like to draw attention to. But this episode, the whole episode is going to be a housekeeping segment because everything's a mess. We're on the struggle bus here in the United States. We just can't seem to get this right. So the enemy is within. Let's start with, (laughs) I'm not used to such dramatic titles, but the Speaker of the House this week that passed raised the issue of people within the House of Representatives basically being responsible for the riot on the 6th and continuing to endanger other people in Congress, which is really remarkable when you think about it, that people are switching their offices, people are going on the floor with guns, people are almost breaking out into fights, apparently, (laughs) on the floor of the House. This is the United States people, the United States, the world's greatest democracy, apparently. So we think. With that being said, there are some really, really bad folks, some bad actors. And I went to get your thoughts on Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, let's talk about Marjorie. What isn't there to say about Marjorie? I mean, crazy bitch. Did you, did, uh, <laughs> I just, did just... Wait, wait. We're that was Cher. <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. Did you just call her Marjorie? What is her name? Marjorie. Yeah, Marjorie. She is <laughs> kooky. For, whatever you want to call her, Marge, Marjorie, Taylor Thomas. I don't think it's important like what we call her, but she needs to get the fuck out. I mean, she needs to be verbally silent. I don't know by who. Thank you. Um, yes, I please, know that yes. she likes to use that violent rhetoric. Yeah, she's crazy. I, I know we were talking offline about what was on her website. And I think you should share with everyone what was on her website because it's pretty funny because it's nothing of substance. <laughs> yes. So two things. So one, yes, we do not want to silence her. We, we meant that. Verbally. Uh, verbally. I feel like in these crazy times, let me just... Put that out there. And then two, yes, to Ashley's point in terms of her congressional sort of webpage, I shouldn't call it a web, website, you know, the pretty, pretty standard things that it's hard for me to wrap my mind around why this is such a fixation, but abortion issues. So she wants to end abortion in the United States. But she's um, a COVID-19 denier. Well, they don't connect those things. Mm-hmm. Life mm-hmm. is only, it would appear, the unborn She wants to end all abortion in the United States. And then the second thing, she wants to expand Second Amendment rights. um, She wants those unborn babies to get guns. You're just on a roll today. (laughs) I won't listen. I won't let up on her. (laughs) So wait, okay. (laughs) So wait. So the two things that there were statements about were those two things. She also has introduced articles of impeachment against President Biden over the Ukraine. Like nonsense. Nothing's going to happen with that. 
And the other thing she has issues with, she wants to ensure that Title IX funding goes, basically she's trying to put in like bathroom legislation, bathroom bills, transgender rights issues that only people who are at your sex at birth can only, you know, play sports or can enter a bathroom. Just things that's just like, why is this, why? But what I thought was funny though, she has like, you know, a little drop down section. So you get to, okay, what's your thoughts on the economy? Blank. What's your thoughts on healthcare? Blank. What's your thoughts? On, like, there, there's nothing there. The Congress itself, blank. You know, it's like, call her office, call her office, call her office. And I bet um, you'll get an answering machine. That person's right. out of the office. They'll be yeah, back you know. from vacation. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it was like three months ago when you get those out of office responses. And it's like, <laughs> I'll return to the office on December 31st of, you know, 2019. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. She runs on so, a platform of hate, really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I've been, here's my thing. I don't understand what's happening. I mean, I do understand what's happened to the Republican Party. It is shocking to me that there's no bottom. There's no bottom. She should be expelled from Congress for saying that Parkland shooting was, was a false flag operation as a member of Congress. She should not be in the United States Congress. She should not be on uh, the Education Committee, because that was the other thing, of course, right? Like why people were upset this week. She's called for the beheading of the Speaker of the House. There are other conspiracies and things that she, well, she's a QAnon person. The thing with Representative Cori Bush from Missouri, who's black, and Cori Bush asking her to wear a mask. And then I guess, you know, they're in the hallway and Marjorie's staff threatening Cori Bush's staff. I mean, it's just, if we set into the things that she's doing, any HR, any company in America will most likely fire you. You'd be terminated. Any thoughts on like, What's the issue here for Republicans? I mean, like, why can't they seem to get it together and just be decent? Like, <laughs> what is the issue? I don't I don't get it. I think it's similar to the things that we've talked about before when I've been on is that, like you said, there's no bottom. I think that Republicans are betting really big on Trumpism not going away. And it seems like they're not interested in trying to save the party as it was before, but they're going to continue to ride this wave of the Republican brand that Trump has established. Because you, I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a very extreme example of kind of where the party has gone. But then you have other people who they might not be as kooky as she is, but like a Josh Hawley, a Ted Cruz, a Matt Gates, they're clearly not going to shift back to like, what the old Republican Party was. So like, has the party changed? And is it going to continue to go forward in this direction? Like Donald Trump brought these people out from the shadows. He's rebranded it. And it it seems like they're satisfied to keep it there. I mean, you even have people like Nikki Haley came out. What was that a week ago when she said that essentially she was like, oh, this guy's gone now. Give him a break. And, you know, people talk about her as eyeing for the presidency in 2024. Like, that's kind of crazy. Give him a break. Are you kidding me? Like, it's just beyond. Yeah. You know, I think you summed that up. Right. There's nothing to not understand here. Right. It's like Maya Angelou and people show you who they are. (laughs) Believe them. I mean, that's where we're I mean, that's where we're at. So I think we all just need to wrap our heads around that. that This is what it is. (laughs) It's not going away, which I did last week's episode was like the cult remains. Right. So on some level. I get it. I understand it. Whether it be the stuff that's right right out in front of us or stuff kind of in the shadows, if you will, that's kind of like that shit. But it is shocking to me that I cannot believe that this is the two 
major political parties in the United States right now, that you have one that's not perfect, but is a governing body based in like facts and science. And we can debate whether there needs to be a wealth tax or we can debate how we get to like universal health care, right? Policy. And then you have a party that's only concerned with guns, abortion, and conspiracy theories and tax cuts for the rich. I would say they're concerned about like debt, but that's only like if they're not in charge. There's no governing philosophy besides like hate, it seems at times, which is a lot. So I think the other thing and we're kind of like talking around this, but for most of Trump's presidency, it was pretty clear that he was racist, right? And then you have people saying, well, we can't just accuse all of his supporters as being racist. But, and I don't know who it was that that pointed this out, but I remember seeing a tweet from someone that said, they may not be racist, but racism isn't a deal breaker for them either. So when you look at these Republicans, because there are Republicans that don't support people like Marjorie Ted Cruz, those guys that are not speaking out against her. So it's that whole same thing. It's you don't believe it, but it's not a deal breaker for you either. Same thing with the impeachment, the insurrection. It's that it happened and you'll denounce it, but it's not a deal breaker. It's not enough to then go in and remove him, I guess. How does that exactly work? Maybe you can speak on that a little bit. So good segue, because you brought up a few things. So Yes, former President Trump has been impeached in the House. So he is impeached. That's done. What needs to happen now constitutionally is there's a trial in the Senate, and he is either acquitted or convicted of this one article of impeachment for inciting an insurrection. The impeachment is done. Again, he's been politically, essentially, accused of a crime, right, based on what's in the Constitution. You can't do that under the 14th Amendment. Amendment. You can't do what he just, what he did. Now it's up to the Senate to, okay, here's the, the charge. And what do we think about it? And it is interesting, like you said, so you've had five Republican senators, I believe, and not the usual suspects, actually, more than the one the first time, but you've had Ben Sass from Nebraska, Lisa Murkowski, from Alaska, Susan Collins in Maine, Mitt Romney in Utah, and who's the fifth person I'm forgetting? Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania. Those are the five that voted for this procedural motion with Democrats to like, okay, we need to proceed to the trial. You have Republicans like Mitch McConnell, who's doing this kind of, now you see me, now you don't. Look at me, don't look at me. He's doing this whole thing of, I haven't made up my mind, but I'm not going to vote for the next step for the trial to happen. The Democrats are in control, and so obviously the trial will occur. But they're now trying to make a procedural kind of argument that, well, he's not the sitting president now. So, you know, it's somehow this dangerous precedent to impeach him. He's now a private citizen, right? But of course, it's like, well, Mitch, when you were still the majority leader, you had the power to bring the Senate back, right? Yes, normally in American history, we don't have presidents who incite violence against the Congress while they're actually doing their congressional duties. It really is extraordinary on like the 6th of January. So yes, there really was a compressed time period for them to act, but they keep talking out of you know their ass, their mouth, both their ears. I mean, it's just like, you didn't want to convict him for the first set of things he was impeached for, because it, at that point it was, well, there's an election and the American people make a decision. Okay. Even though he did do those things. <laughs> the first impeachment, he has clearly done what we all witnessed <laughs> in the second kind of impeachment. Um, there apparently is nothing that you can do with this crop of 
like Republicans that would warrant using that mechanism that was clearly put into the Constitution for a reason. And yes, it is political, but that doesn't mean that the crime that he's being accused of did not occur. I don't know if I'm making sense. It's, no, it, it, it is sense. a mechanism to be used when there is something that is a high crime and a misdemeanor. And I don't know how much more of a high crime you would need to get in a republic than being in the sitting president who takes an oath of office to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, then turns around while you're that sitting president and attempts to subvert the republic, the democracy that you lead. If that's not a high crime, if that doesn't violate the 14th Amendment, I really don't know what does. But the writing is on the wall with this, that Yertle the Turtle Mitch and friends are back in their shells. I think probably those five Republicans who I named probably will vote with the Democratic Senate to basically say, yes, he did commit this, this kind of constitutional crime, if you will. But no, he's not going to be convicted of this, which I think is also damaging to the country in the long term. I mean, there's nothing. So our only method of removing a president, which again, is not a bad thing. We have elections, there are midterms, so you can put a check on the president by putting a different party in to oppose some of the things that they're doing. All these other mechanisms exist, but it just seems like, well, who comes along in the future in America's history? And it's like, well, in someone who's smarter, right? Because I mean, there is something really clunky about everything that Donald Trump did. You think about what he was trying to do after the election, up to his departure, where it was like, but you do have to go to a court with something, right? It's not that I don't think that any Republican courts would have overturned some of this stuff. It was the numbers of votes. It was the asinine sort of stop counting in Arizona, but count over there, but not here. But on Tuesdays, he didn't give any court that might have even wanted to have like helped him. There was just no strategy. It's like, oh, this Republican person's bad, but not this one. But in the future, we might have a leader a demagogue who's a little smarter with their strategy, who gets someone else besides like Rudy Giuliani (laughs) to be their lawyer, who might, I don't know, work on some of this shit from the beginning. I feel like a lot of Americans have learned kind of the electoral process and stuff and how the state certify things. I mean, this could have been something that he planned from the beginning in a way to ensure that, okay, maybe the system won't hold. So I think it's really unfortunate that they're not going to do the constitutionally just clear thing, A, because they're afraid of primaries, B, because maybe some of them really don't care, and it's okay if a Republican does this, C, maybe a combination of those things. But I don't think it sets a good precedent for the country. And last thing, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm rambling about this, but last thing, when this idea, again, they set it up this way, where it's like, oh, well, now we're going to say we can't have a trial because he's not in office trot his fat ass back from Mar-a-Lago, right? <laughs> exactly. They set this up in a way so that they didn't have to. And again, I think there's also this inter-party fight, clearly, or intra-party fight, I should say. It's clearly an intra-party fight where they know he's damaging. I mean, you, you can't expand the Republican brand and tent, if you will. But you can keep trying to, with the existing people that you have, just keep trying to bring that base out over and over and over again. And so I think it makes them, they have to behave more extreme. They have to double down on things that are asinine, absolutely asinine, to appeal to a smaller and smaller tent overall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, that's the impeachment thing. I mean, it should be a no-brainer. It should be a no-brainer, but (laughs) I feel like our politics, of course, and that's why we're going to have this whole thing be a housekeeping thing. It's like the things that are no-brainers in American society right now are, yeah, 
So, which brings me to, I would like to talk about Chuck Schumer and the Democrats and President Biden. So they've been here for a week. And I think that President Biden has done the things that he's supposed to be doing in a week with his executive orders. I know that people, there needs to be legislation, there needs to be legislation, which I absolutely agree with. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of things that agencies do. I feel like I've talked about that in previous episodes. And you do need to steer and direct them to kind of chart a new course, if you will. So I don't think that there's anything that I wouldn't have expected him to do. But those things are actually important. And again, since they were done by executive order, he may need to kind of undo them. So I've been pleased with that. I think it's important to remind folks he's only been there for a week. <laughs> I think people's expectations are a little on the left sometimes or a little, I, I don't know. It's like, do you, were you not watching the last four years about like how much stuff this former president kind of fucked up? But I do wonder at what point do the Democrats just go balls to the wall with the things that they need to get done? There, there has to be a time, a time frame on the, you know, let's kumbaya and hold hands and wait for the Republicans to get together. There does need to be like an end date, in my opinion. What, what are your thoughts on, on some of that? Yeah, I want to see them go balls to the wall, like pack the courts, pass the executive orders. I mean, there's just so much terrible things that were done during the Trump administration and Republicans again, have shown that they're still scraping the bottom of this barrel. We have the ball, so to speak, and we need to run with it. We can't bank on the fact like what's going to happen in the next four years. We just, we need to take action. They have shown that they will just play dirty. And I'm not saying we need to play dirty, but we have to be very aggressive, more aggressive than we have been in the past, because this is not a normal presidency that we're coming in on the heels of. Right. And it's funny. So one thing I'm actually excited about is that Chuck Schumer is the majority leader and he's my senator. And so I'm like, oh, this is great. Like I can be writing. <laughs> I'll be on my on my keyboard <laughs> telling him about things that I think are important. I do think sometimes Democrats, your your middle of the road, your Joe Bidens, I wouldn't necessarily describe Chuck Schumer. I would think Chuck Schumer is actually to the left of Joe Biden. But I think they are institutionalists. I think they are people who believe in government and they want things to work. And like you mentioned packing the courts. So like the first thing out of the gate that the Biden administration wants to try to do is to pass this essentially another relief package and $1.9 trillion, which is a ton of money. Absolutely. I get that. I don't want to hear Republicans now talking about they're concerned about the budget. They're concerned about the deficit because they're not. They're not. They just want certain people to have access to money. And now the Democrats are signaling that, look, if we have to do this with 50 votes, and have Vice President Harris do the the tiebreaker, we will do so. But I just, to me, for the most important thing in the Senate was the judiciary. And Harry Reid initially changed those rules because they were blocking all of Obama's lower court appointments. Yeah, and getting rid of the filibuster. And then, of course, we saw in the Trump era where it's like, well, now we're going to actually just get rid of that for the Supreme Court justices too, right? You don't need 60 votes. We wouldn't have Amy Coney Barrett on the court. We wouldn't have Brett Kavanaugh, definitely. Maybe they would have allowed Neil Gorsuch. But they got rid of that for something that's so important. So it's like, I don't really want to hear about legislation that like helps people now. And so we don't need to let them be able to filibuster all of these big agenda items around the economy, the coronavirus, climate change. They have, and like you said, we don't know what's going to happen in four years from now. And the other thing that I think we're seeing within the Republican Party, Kevin McCarthy went down to see former President Trump. Like you said, they're signaling that there's a part like this is where they're going to stick. They're going to keep going down this path. So the Democrats really need to use these two years to make sure that their base is shored up, 
that the people who put them in there come back out for them. Well, in 2022, in the midterms, which I know is like, oh God, this never ends. But yeah, we need to be prepared for that. And then of course, in 2024. And so, yeah, I don't want to hear about fucking Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Democrat. I don't want to hear it. I want to hear about him. Kick him off a committee, strong arm him. They need to pull Lyndon Johnson treatment during the civil rights era. Like they need to meet this moment. I think that that's one of the things, you know, I was just thinking while you were talking about what separates kind of like the Democrats from the Republicans right now. And I think that with the Democrats, I mean, people on both sides have shown up in extreme numbers, you know what I mean, voting for this in this last presidential election. But to keep the people who showed up engaged in politics right now for the midterms and like the next election I do think the Democrats have to be bold. The Republicans were, because I think that that's what brought people in and kept them hooked. Things actually, not giving credit to Donald Trump, but the things that he said he was going to do, like some of those terrible things, he actually did them. You know what I mean? And I think that Democrats, I want to see stuff happen and I want to see bold moves. I mean, I'm going to show up in the next election and the one after that and the one after that. But I think there will be people that stay at home if some of the things that Joe Biden talks about don't happen. I agree. Now, I tend to, I get frustrated. And look, I feel like I've even moved on this a bit because I tend to think in a republic and, you know, where democracy and institutions matter and the rules of engagement and all of those things matter. With that being said, I just think they don't have a choice. They're not being given a choice, partly because I feel like they're not working. These are not two, again, competing political parties of real ideals, right? <laughs> this is, this is, we've got one party that's kind of descending into madness, conspiracy theories, overt racism, violence fear of speaking out against some of these darker elements within their party, right? Because I think there are some decent Republicans or people who go home. Like, I mean, I think that Susan Collins, I think Susan Collins goes home and shakes her head about what's happened to her. But I don't think Susan Collins wants to lose her seat. So she stays quiet, you know what I mean, more often than not. So I don't know why I had to pick on Susan. Susan really bugs me. No, I really wanted her to lose her seat. I did. more people because I think this is also interesting. <laughs> I think this is also interesting. So what about these people in the Republican Party like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz who talk so much shit on Trump during the primaries and stuff like that? And I understand with Ted Cruz, obviously he was running against him in the primary. So of course he's going to, but still, I mean, even after he won the nomination, Ted Cruz was not like immediately on board. And I just think to myself, you have people who get into politics, I think There could be multiple reasons, but I think maybe the two that stand out the most are you want to make meaningful changes or just like obsessed with power, right? And I think we're seeing these people like Lindsey Graham and Ted Cruz. You're that obsessed with power that you were going to co-sign the bullshit of Donald Trump for all this time. And now you're going to co-sign even more bullshit that's going on and not speak out about or denounce the insurrection and, and what he did. And so that's how power hungry people are. And I think that's on both sides that, you know, there could be power hungry people on both sides. But that I think for me as somebody who's not dialed into maybe the pure mechanics of politics and government and stuff like that, just to see that stuff from a just looking at them as people. Yeah, I'm going to pick on Nancy Pelosi that that woman has power. Now, what she decides to do with that power in her worldview, I think matters, right? With that being said, to your point, I mean, these are not young people either, right? Specifically, Lindsay, Susan. 
Mitch, I mean, Mitch McConnell's 80 or will be 80. And you wonder, okay, you've been a senator from Kentucky since I've been born, <laughs> literally. So like 35 years, you've been in power. You have wealth. At what point is it just kind of like... Don't you just want to go home and relax? Yeah, I mean, I would. Or like <laughs> Diane know? Feinstein. Like, yeah, don't yeah, you just want I mean, to go even relax? Diane. Yeah, even Diane. Because look, I mean... It's funny talking about Diane Einstein versus like a Nancy Pelosi, in my mind at least, where I'm like, I think about her speakership in the Bush years, in the Obama years, and now in the Trump and Biden era. So I think that she has been a really effective speaker and doesn't get enough credit for a lot of legislation and things, especially during the Obama years, that actually occurred because Harry Reid always had issues with keeping the Democratic Senate together or the Democratic Senate wanting to water down bills. And so then, okay, well, the House needs to kind of like reconcile that to get this to actually pass, not even just with Republicans, but more conservative Democrats. You think about the Affordable Care Act, there in the Senate, obviously, there were Democrats who lost their seats for voting for that bill, even though I think most of us would say providing people health care was the right thing for those folks to do. And so looking at someone like Nancy, I think really effective speaker. Diane, not that she's not an effective senator, and obviously there's seniority and all that stuff and just the way the Senate works. But it is, I mean, she's like 84. Yeah, so and I wasn't even, speaking about like her career or anything. I'm just saying like- at, That's at time to go. Point, You're saying it's time yeah, to go. don't you just want to retire? It's time to go. It's time, to go. It's time to go. <laughs> Especially- yeah, beep, beep, boop, boop, time to, yeah, it's time to go. You, you done been here too. But then again, it's like Americans get frustrated with the system, but we're responsible for it, right? People keep voting in Diane fucking Feinstein, California. I, and so I just, and, and again, because I guess, she runs, I mean, she doesn't run unopposed, right? I mean, she, I don't know this. I'm asking so, you. So she has had, in, her, in later years of her time in the Senate, she has had Democratic challengers, yes. In her early career, I don't think, no one who was really serious. It is funny because it's like people do like their senators in their states, right? It's funny how we, from Pennsylvania, Bob Casey and the Casey family, like there's a legacy there. So people are going to keep, and I do think, again, I think Bob Casey does good work, but it does get to a point when they're like crypt keepers and can't seem to like change with the moment. Or if you're someone where Republican side, you're really compromising. I mean, Ted Cruz, this man who you're supporting and kissing his ass, talked about your wife like a dog. <laughs> like that wasn't just normal, like political, like a little back and forth and a little. He That's what I'm saying. You, like you yeah. can smell the desperation. Yeah. On like Ted that Cruz. is, yeah, that is. Like he's going all in on the Trump train isn't going to stop. He's just like, what? This is what I have to do. No problem. If I have to just shove my pride deep down inside, sell it <laughs> off, send it away. You know what I mean? Just lose it in space. He doesn't give a shit. He's just like, nope, all in. This is the only thing I ever want to do. I can never do anything ever again. Yeah. I mean, it's like, go be a lobbyist or something. I mean, you know, they, there's lots for them to do. Count all your money. Right. Like, the, <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, come on, stop acting like, well, if I don't have this job, I'm going to go home. And like, what can I do? I have no other. I mean, shut up. Shut up. Nobody yeah. has sympathy. It's very hard to have sympathy for the situation that people are in. You know, you talk about the 10 Republicans who voted for impeachment. And we discussed how last time I was on about what do we think of them? And they're saying, oh, well, people are threatening me and people are whatever. And listen, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. But like, we've yeah. arrived here. This happened. It was allowed. So now you want a cookie for like doing the right thing? 
It's like when celebrities complain about like having their picture taken on the street. It's like, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. You make $50 million a year and like, God, you have somebody. Well, you know what? People deal with all sorts of things in their lives and bust their asses at jobs that they hate. So forgive us when the regular people don't have sympathy for you. (laughs) Which is a good good segue into something actually. So uh, kind of just touched on it, but like Biden administration has been there for like a week. You know, it's so funny. Everything in this... Well, the Trump era, now we're like out of the Trump era, but it still feels like everything feels like a lifetime. Biden has only been the president for like a week. Well, it's like we've been holding our breath for the entire Trump presidency to get to this point. I think that's why it feels like this. Yes. You know, and it it just feels like it never ends. What would you like to see in his first 100 days that's big and bold in terms of legislation? In terms of legislation, I'll be honest, I'm not entirely... Can you give me like a multiple choice, perhaps? Um, so I do think they need to do a stimulus. You know, they, do, they do need to do some relief package. And it needs to be like now. <laughs> like they need right. to get it done now. And I do think it needs to be big and meaningful. I don't necessarily, now I'm showing my more moderate stances sometimes. I don't know whether every American needs $1,400. I don't know if I need $1,400. Let's Don't, make sure it goes to people where it's really going to, yeah. Yes. Not you know that we can mean? bank this for vacation. After yeah, because I would probably invest it or bank it, right. <laughs> just being honest. So I'm not going to stimulate the economy, right? You know, so when you hear people say, well, does every American need $1,400? I don't, I don't know, but I do think a lot of people do. And I certainly think, like I said, I don't know whether someone like myself or folks at home, I'm not trying to make it sound like I'm whatever. I'm just at like, point You're not wondering is, where your next meal is coming correct, from. You don't have right. healthcare co- like correct, things to cover. Like correct, you're good there. And I think that correct. that's, that's those what are I mean. the people it needs to yes. go to. Yes. You know what I mean? I really would like to see this go to people who, yeah, who need it. And clearly people do. So yeah, he, they need to get that done. And they don't need to water that down. And it is a lot of money. Money is just on the printer, I mean, we you know, have on the copying machine. Yeah, <laughs> copiers just going. That's the fun. Print <laughs> more the money. We're yeah. joking about this. <laughs> We're joking. And all of that. I mean, if you're Bill Clinton, just thinking historically, wow, like the last like 20, 21 years of the country, because our fiscal situation has gone in a direction that is just, and again, I like to be truthful here. If you're Bill Clinton, you walked away and probably were like, I left the country financially, definitely, in a better place than it had been in a long, long time. And the country had options in terms of what we wanted to do. And we, 9-11 happens, we, we spend money with the economy there, we go ahead and, I don't want to get too dorky here, but President Bush and like Medicare, Part B and all those things, we didn't pay for that, we didn't pay for the wars, all that was kind of on the country's credit card, the Bush tax cuts, all of that stuff. Obama comes in and he has fiscal crisis and wars to kind of wind down. We at least start calculating and like budgeting for the, the wars. So that was good. But, and then you get into, wait, I can't forget all the Recovery Act and, and, and TARP and all of that stuff. We start towards the end of his, his time going in a good direction. And then these Republicans come in and they do these tax cuts when they weren't necessary. Oh, and I want that. Repeal those goddamn tax cuts. Like all of this, the money, the money, the money. Not that it's going to get you to $1.9 trillion or the money that had to be spent. But like, let's bring that back. Let's wind that down. There's no re- there was no reason to do it in the first place. And I want to see tangible, I keep mentioning HR4, but they need to deal with the Voting Rights Act. 
and they before need to the next time quickly. we vote <laughs> before the next time we vote and specifically because you already see states trying to because you know republicans and people are upset that these young people and these people of color and they can vote just as long as they don't change the system right so <laughs> let me ask you a question policy. yeah if somebody out there is listening and is like i totally agree with you hr4 what do we need to do right now as citizens who are we calling so that is a great question. So you are calling, well, actually two things. I would say you should call your house representative, although it's already been passed in the house. As usual, again, I mentioned Nancy Pelosi, that work's already done. The bill is written, the John Lewis Voting Act, it's done. We need the Senate because Mitch McConnell has sat literally his old turtle butt and proudly talked about it, right? Everything that the house did the Republican Senate basically was like, it's going to be the graveyard. So we're not going to do anything on climate change. We're not going to do anything with the Voting Rights Act. We're going to just literally sit on these bills. Well, now that the Democrats are in charge, we need the Senate Democrats to be as bold as the Democrats in the House. So it probably doesn't hurt to call your House representative or write them to let them know you can even email some of them. Like, hey, these are like things that we're still into. But it really is the Senate. And so, so we're calling our senators. So you're calling and running your senators, right? Got and it. reminding like, and being aware that you know, AOC talks about this. I don't always agree with AOC on everything. But again, I think her heart is in the right place. I think that, you know, really, really smart. The House did the damn work. The House of Representatives has done with a number of things, whether it even be impeachment, right? Constitutionally, if the president has <laughs> committed a crime, then their mechanism for that is to impeach the president and to state that. So I tend to look at this era in the House, the People's House, which is kind of what it is, has done good work. And I don't think that always gets publicized. It's not Nancy Pelosi's fault that people don't vote, let the Senate get in Mitch McConnell's hands, for instance. Yeah, your senators. And again, like there are that. a lot of House bills. There are a lot of House bills that have already been passed. And, th- and here's the thing, which will be interesting, right? So something like HR4 puts back into place, make sure I'm being clear about this, basically the preclearance portion of and probably some other things. But that's like the main thing that the Supreme Court struck down. Basically saying states like Texas, Georgia, all the old states of the Confederacy, probably some other areas as well, where, hey, before these places change their voting laws, you have to get preclearance. You have to get preclearance from the federal government, the Justice Department, because you have a history of disenfranchising voters. And so this very Republican-leaning court struck that down. That's not necessary in America anymore. We're past that. You know what I mean? People like the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg, may she rest in peace, said that will be a disaster if you do that. These states will go back to doing the same things they did before we put the Voting Rights Act in, right? But wouldn't it be reasonable to say that they say, oh, we don't need that. We're good. But you know what? Let's just put it on paper. Can we say that? Do you know what I mean? Like, if we're so good, would it hurt to put it on paper if we're already doing it? I don't think so. Let's put it on paper. How about that? No, it would. For In their minds, yes, it hurts. Yeah, let's put it, it on paper because if we're so good at it. Let's well, just it's, make it a fish. Right, right, right. Well, it's funny. I mean, and even the way that that was done in the past. So when they passed the Voting Rights Act in 65... They've had to renew it at, at different points. And so mm-hmm. the most, the previous, I think, big renewal was like under when President Bush, second Bush in 06. Exactly. Like if you're playing on the up and up, why the hell wouldn't we yeah. do it? Right? And so President Bush, to his credit, that was not something that he tried to, you know, why wouldn't we? But I think, again, talking about this tent issue, if you can't win on the merits and on the policy, then you need to restrict certain populations. And again, and it's not just about- Sounds I mean, stinky to me. Sounds fishy. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> beep, beep, boop, boop. Mm-hmm. Sounds fishy, <laughs> don't it? You have to start. And look, the other thing too, and now I am not as familiar with this. I mentioned Texas and Georgia and all those states. But you think about what happened in Wisconsin last year, where Milwaukee County, your most populous county, and a lot of obviously a large African-American population, and you start, oh, we're only going to have five polling places open in the middle of a pandemic. So I think that there are places and things where this preclearance thing of monitoring voting laws in the states and making sure that they are fair and equitable probably needs to go beyond some of the states that we always like rattle off the top of our heads. But they absolutely need to do that because I think that if we don't protect the right to vote in the country, then you really don't have a republic. And we already have things in our system that give essentially like minority role power. I don't always agree with this, but yes, I mean, California's population, you got almost 40 million people, you get two senators, and Wyoming has that same amount of clout, you know. (laughs) So we have to make sure as Democrats, look at what they're trying to do, and then go in and make sure you've got that covered. And I would, like I said, I would go and open up the files. I would go to Nancy Pelosi and say, girl, what you passed, girl, what you passed. And then if I was Nancy, I would look at Chuck and be like, this, here's the filing cabinet. I open up the filing cabinet. Look, we got you covered. You just need to make sure that your people have some balls to like, Sign this stuff. Don't come back because that's the other thing too. In the House, they're districts. So with AOC here in New York, it's her district. Chuck Schumer and Kirsten Gillibrand, who are our senators, it's all of New York State. So then you start getting into, well, this person might not want me to go as bold in upstate New York. And they should consider those things. But generally, it's the Senate that has watered down a lot of the forward momentum that people want to see. Definitely in the Obama era, even when he had both chambers, when they had the the House and the Senate, which I don't think gets a lot of attention. So anyway, I feel like I rambled on that. Well, no, your two suggestions, the stimulus and the HR4, I asked you for options. I agree. I (laughs) signed, sealed, delivered. I agree. And I just want to say out there, you suggested emailing or calling our senators. Just while we were talking, I Googled really quickly because I wanted to see how easy it is to find this information. I'm in Pennsylvania. I Googled PA, I mean, I already know our senators, but I Googled PA Senators 2020. Second hit that came up listed my two senators, and then I clicked on it, and then it had all of their contact information. It took me right into the PA state thing. And then the other thing you can do, if maybe you're not so well-versed on HR4, you can Google HR4 template senators, and there are templates out there that people have already you know, been nice enough to write that's like very concise. I support HR4. I want to see it passed in the Senate, make it a law. Boom. There you go. It, it will take 10 minutes. Now, see, I didn't know about the template thing. That, that's if they're not cool. necessarily official, but like there are people out there, like even on Instagram, I've seen templates and stuff like that. When people, you know, when there's big kind of bills that we're trying to get passed and stuff like that, you'll see like, hey, here's a template when you call and th- what you can kind of say to your senator um, or representative. So I think that's kind of cool because sometimes I struggle. I'm like, I don't know what to write to sound. There's people out there who are doing it for us. That's a really good point. So to bring this back to where we started. So um, Marjorie, Mary Taylor Thomas. I don't know. No, I'm joking. No, no. I mean, she, the enemy is within to have the Speaker of the House say, make that statement in the way that she did matters. And I do think, again, I think we need to govern with that knowledge, right? That there are people within the Republic, literally within the House chamber or the Senate 
actively trying to bring about its demise in the way that I think most Americans would think of this country or where we need to go. And so I hope that the Democrats are bold. I think President Biden's in a weird spot. You are the president of all Americans. And there are Americans who legitimately might not believe that student debt needs to be canceled. I'm just throwing that out there, right? Maybe we can have a policy about that. Right, right. I mean, maybe we can have a policy debate about that. Fine. But he's going to have to walk this line of unity and bringing people together. But the facts of the matter are these people did X. Or the fact of the matter is what you're trying to do with voting is wrong and not democratic. Or the fact of the matter is there is climate change and like coal. So again, I keep picking on Joe Manchin, who's a Democrat from West Virginia, but we're going to need to do something about this. We're going to need to have hard discussions. Does Joe Manchin Manchin love coal? Joe Manchin, I wouldn't say he probably loves coal, but he certainly, and again, these senators do have constituencies. And in West Virginia, the coal lobby, people who work in coal companies, people are nervous that any real climate change legislation that you would need to pass again through the Senate, you have someone like Joe Manchin. And again, and not just Joe Manchin, let's talk about Pennsylvania. So during the debate, the fracking thing came up, right? New York has banned fracking. Pennsylvania has not. There's nothing good for the environment that happens from fracking, right? Nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> like, like but see, this know. is the shit that kills me about this stuff, right? There's nothing good that comes from fracking, coal. But people like, have sh- jobs. But right. people have jobs. I right? understand that. But so do we just, for till the end of time, till we just all burn up, we just keep telling these people like, no, you're totally right. This is a great industry. We got to keep going. At what point do you say, hey, you know what? This isn't good. We can't do this. However, we're going to build wind turbines and we want to create a workforce that will allow you to get job training and you're going to transition to this new clean energy field. We, we don't have time to do that stuff. Well, so one, and look, this is the whole million dollar question in terms of the experiment itself, I mean, of this country. Can you have a republic? Can you keep it type thing if you have a citizenry that is not informed or that the government isn't, again, playing off the same set of facts? So when I think about Pennsylvania and that example about fracking, right, there would be some hurt to maybe families or where people earn their income. You can't just close down, you know, stop all the fracking tomorrow, as probably some people on the left might want, right? Because if you have people who have a hardship or there isn't a job for them to move to, or they don't have the skills and kind of our globalized economy, what happens to those people? And I think when you look at some of the things that have happened, well, why are people supporting some of these voting against their own self-interest type thing, where it's like, in the long term, we all are going to suffer for some of these decisions. But for most people in the immediate term, they want to like feed their family. They want to, you know, have a roof over their head. So I get all of that stuff. And I think how you balance that is really important. How you educate people about what you're trying to do is important. But then you also have to have people working with you who want to do that thing that you just mentioned about, okay, if we don't do fracking, let's do fill in the blank. Are you going to provide resources and dollars for that? And so it is interesting with the parties at times. So the Republicans, they don't want to do anything about the fracking and they don't want to do anything. No, we don't really want to transition. You know what I mean? Like we don't want to invest in those economies. So Because they're here uh, for a good time. They ain't here for a long time. Right? <laughs> right? 
<laughs> yes. I never thought about that. <laughs> like, that's just the shit that pisses me Oh, my God. Yeah. I understand that there's, like, there, on so my funny. end, there's a bit of an oversimplification of what's going on. And, yeah, I mean, I know that it's not as simple as, like, no coal this day. We're starting on solar energy farms this day. I get that. But can we move it and transition it in a way? That, that's all. And, listen, we don't have to get into, like, what our plan would be to do that. But... That's the stuff that I find to be frustrating. We have something that's not good, that's broken, that's not helping people. It's actually hurting people. And instead of trying to figure out a way to like change it in increments, we're just going to let it go because you know what? I'm going to be here forever. Right. Well, and that's all the stuff. I don't think President Obama was infallible. There were certain things I didn't agree with, but I think he was a good president who was dealt, um, although I think Joe Biden has been dealt even worse hand, but was not dealt the best hand coming into office. And there's so many policies trying to do just that, where I think people on the left, it wasn't fast enough. It wasn't radical enough, but trying to work like there is a system, right? The president is the president, but there were senators who did not want to go as far as they might have wanted to initially with healthcare. And so is it that saying, you know, don't let the perfect being the enemy of the good. And so- even like with this issue around climate, getting back in the Paris climate you know, agreement, we do need some sort of worldwide, can we get an agreement? The following it and implementing it is the next thing. But if you don't have an agreement, you don't have a framework to start with, right? There's aspects of the government that I think the American people themselves don't get excited about, like that work and like why it matters. And so Ben Winner is not like you said, like this big change, I do think, especially on the left. I do think there are people who think we can snap our fingers and go, there'll be no coal, no oil, no gas, right? Mm -hmm. We have not figured out, but Americans want their lights on consistently, right? We are not at a place where we can have the science in terms of you would need to transition your way out of those things. I think most moderate Democrats want to do that. I think kind of the liberal wing of the party will want to snap their fingers and it just all goes away, which isn't feasible. And then, as you said, the, what did you call them? The good time? <laughs> don't, don't stop. That, what did you say? <laughs> I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. And then the long, yeah, I love that. And then those people who are making all their money, you know what I mean? Right. Or, you know, California's having for us, but I'll just move here. Yeah. I do think there's people who like, I'm not going to be here when that's going on or like, I'll just move or I'll, I, you know, I just think that there are people who don't care or get the whole picture. But the other thing too that's crazy about climate science is that the people who understood that there was a climate issue, the fossil fuel companies, that's the part I love. They did all a lot of this pay for research and science about Oh yeah. They knew, they know this. They've known this for decades. But there's a problem. And that just kills me that uh I mean a lot of that that data and stuff, it's it's not like they're not aware of this themselves. But I guess that's like the cigarette companies too, right? It's not like they weren't unaware that like <laughs> I know, right? Look at like some nineteen fifties advertisements for cigarettes. I mean, it's basically like marketed as medicine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Oh my god. Can I actually a personal story yeah. about that? Just kind of weird way to end this, but it's just so funny the things that people do. So like my dad still smokes cigarettes, but he told me that my grandfather, may he rest in peace, my dad was saying that he started smoking when he was like seven. Because my grandfather would let him light the cigarettes. So I said, what do you mean? He was like, like, I put it in my mouth to light it. And I was like, how fucked up is that? (laughs) Right? And then I thought about it. Oh, right. Back then. Like, I mean. Pregnant women smoke. He probably didn't didn't think anything of it. But like my dad started smoking at a very young age. And I'm trying to get him to stop smoking. He's listening to this in the middle of a pandemic with a respiratory virus. I second that. But. Yeah, he was telling me that. And I was like, what? And then I was like, but wait, 
you know, might not have thought anything of it, but like seven, eight years old, he said, Wild. we do that for his dad. I'm not going to get into my grandfather. That's my dad's story to tell. But yeah, yeah, absolutely wild to me, right? Why don't you just give him some Hennessy too while you're at it? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just put him to sleep, you know? Just to, to put him to sleep. Oh my God. Um, Drink it. That, you'll like it. It's sweet. I, I, <laughs> that's right, babes. I know. I mean, it's just too much. It's too much. Yeah. Just, Can I just say, not? like, you mentioned earlier, you said that Joe Biden came in and he had like a really tough time. He's coming into kind of like a mess. And it's so funny because as, as soon as you said that, I thought, and I appreciate the fact that he hasn't been tweeting about that, that he's, oh, it's so tough. And look what they did. Like, it's so refreshing to just have somebody who comes in and just like taking care of business. Maybe it's not in the way that some people like, but like he's not coming in and blaming and it's just like wild. And, and listen, I do mean to bash Republicans when I come onto your podcast, I am not unbiased in that way. So (laughs) it's intentional. She's spoken people. She's, she's told everyone, I hope that siren's not in the background. If it is, but we're going to, I don't know what's going on in New York. I was going to say, I don't know what's going on in New York right now, but literally every, yeah. It's a lot this episode. What I was going to say, it is refreshing. And there was an article that I was reading this morning from reporters. And they, they were talking about what the transition has been like. Hey, what was it like for the press corps with Obama, Trump, and now Biden in this first week? And most were saying that, to your point, just kind of getting back to normalcy, resetting things like, oh, right, we're going to have press conferences. They're at a certain time. The president comes out and talks at a certain time. He's not off the cuff about everything. He Mm -hmm. doesn't tweet at night. They were like, it's exciting. They were like, it's still an exciting time because there's this flurry of activity, but it is controlled. Yeah. They're like, we don't know because they were actually saying, you're like, you know, with Trump, whether he was lying or not, you kind of always knew whether you knew he was lying and that was a problem or he was tweeting, he was angry about something. Like you knew every freaking thing he was thinking. That's not what actually we're supposed, like, he's not a Kardashian. We yeah, want like, from our president. Well, he's not supposed to be a Kardashian. I mean, you're the president of the fucking United States. So they were saying that Joe has actually even been more, I'm going to say elusive, than, you know, the Uncle Joe sort of persona. Like, he's, yeah, he's the president. He's got things to do. There's papers, apparently. There's, you know, like, you know, policy papers and briefs and work, government. It's something. Refreshing. But I think these next two years, between now and the midterms, will be interesting to see what the Republicans... Again, this enemy within concept in like, how willing are they to continue on this path to destroy? Well, they'll eat their own, right? The ones who are like, well, I can't go any further with this. Eat their own. And I mean, if they haven't yet, I don't know. Yeah. But there is no bottom. There does not seem to be a bottom. Who they elect, who they put on committees, what they won't speak out against. There's no bottom, which is... I think the thing that makes it really shocking about the politics and like the people in power having no bottom, because I think we've talked for years now about the constituents and the citizens of this country not having a bottom. And that to me was always kind of like, oh, of course, of course they don't, because now we have a president who has, um, I don't think that people have thought that there would ever be another president like Donald Trump who would legitimize hate in a way that he did. So I think that's why they clung to him, because I don't think they're sure that there's going to be another one that would rule, if you will, with that kind of agenda. But then when you see politicians, it's like, whoa, 
whoa. So like, it's not just crazy people in our country who believe this stuff or will co-sign it. It's the people who are actually in charge too, you know, scary. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But I try to be hopeful that there's more of us, if you will, than I'm going to say them. That sounds so, I don't mean it to sound that way, but you want me to say it. No, (laughs) no, no. You know, (laughs) I, I do think the country has to try to find a way, I guess maybe I'm talking out of both sides, right? Because earlier in the episode, I was saying that, look, they need to get things done and they need to, you know, but there are some, but you don't, you don't, what is it called? You don't negotiate with terrorists. And, And now we can say that and mean it quite literally, that right, there right, are absolutely. some people in this country, like when you talk about unity, we're not talking about the people who stormed the Capitol. We can't talk about those people. That needs to, I don't know how we end it, but we're not going, there are people that you're not going to get what you want and right. you shouldn't. Agreed. Agreed. And uh, like I said, I, I do, I get that he's still doing the, well, then we can end on this, but that he's still doing the early on, the, the outreach and the unity but again, as people have been saying, you can't unify without like, what are we unifying around? This just happened on January the 6th. Your favorite person, Megan McCain, was on TV. I have agreed with her several times this week. Shocking. I know. <laughs> I know. I guess Katie Couric made a comment about deprogramming. And I think she meant like the most radical elements of Trumpism. She right? did. She did. And Megan, And Megan knew that. Right. Mm-hmm. But Megan, of course, like blew this out of proportion. And in my opinion. And it is crazy to me. There are a few moments of thinking about like the Trump era that like just really stood out for me. And I have like three or four. The Muslim ban was shocking to me that that happened. The wall stuff was stupid to me. The kids, the stuff that they did at the border is that that's a crime. Like that's an international crime, right? The United States just, you cannot take children away from their mothers and separate them intentionally. I don't know why we, this country has a history of that sort of behavior, but couldn't believe they did that. I know this might be a weird one, but Jamal Khashoggi, I thought the signal that it sent that the United States was like, well, yeah, they chopped them up in a bag and, you know, that's all right. Because we got- I, Just one person. He's just one person. The United States didn't say, again, not that we can control everything, but our statements and our actions matter. And the president was very indifferent to that. And I thought that is a signal. He wants to be able to do that here. He would be okay if reporters from the Washington Post disappeared. People didn't seem to get that signal. Of course, Charlottesville, because he came out so angrily about the both sides thing. I remember that press conference. But it's been one week. I think it's funny. I was saying earlier, like, it feels like it's everything's a lifetime. But it's been one fucking week since Joe Biden took office. And it's only a couple weeks from the latest indignity with the insurrection. And I just... I don't know when it's an appropriate time to unify with these people, but it's like, like we need a little time. We need a little time. We have more than four years of this because I think people also remember we had to watch him run for the office 2015, 16. So we have a little, we have time. Give us time to unify before I can, I need a moment. I need a moment. A moment like this. I need a moment. (laughs) And I think also the other thing that's going on now is that, yeah, Trump's gone, but then you have all his little cronies and the people who favor him. And then the infighting that's going on with other members within the members of Congress, you know what I mean? Like back and forth. So that is still existing. And I get that we don't want to stoke those flames, but it's like, at what, well, that kills. how much do we want people to turn the other cheek in terms of, yeah, like the AOC Ted Cruz thing this week? Oh, yes. We want to like, I think that was like a really good example of that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, God. So, wait, people might not know what Mm -hmm. happened. That do you want to tell? 
folks. AOC tweeted, and correct me if I'm wrong, I know what I think about it, but I don't know if I, I know all the quotes, but she tweeted out that Robinhood, the stock purchasing app, needed to be investigated because when the whole GameStop thing happened, they shut down trading for people like you and me. Well, they shut down their app, which is like people like you and me trading on Robinhood because it's a free Mm -hmm. service. You don't have to pay like you would if you went to a broker. So it kind of democratized buying stock for people. It was in the name Robinhood, you know what I mean? Steal from the rich, give to the poor type thing. But she tweeted that out. Ted Cruz retweets her or responds to her tweet and is like, I agree. Essentially, she was like, bitch, I don't need you to agree with me about anything, okay? I'll work with somebody else, but not somebody who, and this is like a direct quote from one of her tweets, tried to have me murdered last week. (laughs) Right. Right. And so you talk about, people will say like, oh, that's so dramatic. Or like how you said about Nancy Pelosi saying the enemies within, like people have criticized her saying like that was a dramatic statement. But I mean, coming on the I don't heels, know what else to call it. Yeah, yeah I mean. <laughs> coming on the heels of like one of the most dramatic moments of our entire democracy. I don't know. And the other thing with the AOC was she said right after the six, she didn't give details, but she said there was a moment where she, in particular, she feared for her life because of a, sit- a certain situation that occurred that day. But she didn't go into detail. So who knows? I'm not saying that Ted Cruz put a hit on her, but when right. she says murdered, I mean, she said she feared for her life. I don't I believe mean, her to be a, like a liar in that I, way. But I mean, in, in the most practical way, I mean, if five people died, um, yeah. and there were pipe and bombs found in the day hate. before, right? There were pipe bombs <laughs> found. They clearly. Everyone has said this, anyone who's being honest, the Capitol complex is not my bedroom, my apartment here in New York. It is the Capitol complex. And people were in parts of the Capitol complex on that day and knew where to go to certain people's offices that they would have had no business, no knowledge of without someone from the inside, an enemy within, a representative from Jersey. She basically was saying that, you know, the night before there were tours that were being given by Republican members of Congress. I think probably some of the newer ones, but the Capitol's not doing tours, right? So that was odd. I, I can understand why they feel this way. These people bringing guns onto the House floor, it's its nuts. It's nuts. I mean, if there's bombs and nooses and people can penetrate and get to the Speaker's office and even the whole thing about the mask stuff that's going on, they're fighting about that. It, it seems like a hostile work environment. <laughs> It does. I think people should be filing claims. No, in all seriousness, but that's what I'm talking about. So when you say unity, it's like, I think that that's a little, at this point, it's my word of 2020, performative. It seems a little performative or at least kind of, you know, disingenuous to talk about unity on the heels of like this stuff. I think what needs to be addressed, I would like to hear is, hey, people who are being reasonable, like try to come together and understand maybe those small differences that we have, like matters of opinion, because there has to be something that we can agree on. Can we agree that racism is wrong? Can we agree about health? Like people should have options when it comes to healthcare. These are literally issues that affect everybody. So I don't know, but yeah, Marjorie Taylor, I don't want to invite her to the conversation. You think you're going to convince somebody of rational things and who thinks that sandy hook and parkland were fake yeah yeah she's a a 9-11 denier i don't know about all of 9-11 but specifically the pentagon part of it and it's just like shut up i just don't no i don't want to hear you talk well the other thing too again there's a lot of attention on her but there's other i mean louis gomer's a little wacky matt gates is wacky louis gomer whose tooth tooth fell out on television i just (laughs) love that that was so funny 
Like the evil is literally degrading him physically. That was hysterical. I mean, I, I remember Colby's here that. to give you the facts on politics. I'm here to push forward forth my agenda and just to let you guys know this happened. Google it. It's hysterical. If for folks. I mean, this is how our conversations go when her and I but talk. But like Google, like, Google Louis Gohmert's teeth after you Google your senators and send an email about HR4, then go on and Google about AOC and the tweets. Get into politics whatever way you can because we yeah, we have to be informed, but we also should be entertained. I mean, I'm a geek. I'm a little geek for this stuff. But I mean, I laugh, God forgive me. But whenever Mitch McConnell like, took a fall or something happened to him, like last fall, and he has bruises all over him in his hand. There are moments where they're just so ridiculous. You know you're in front of reporters. Someone's going to ask, and like that one reporter, Senator McConnell, are you all right? Like, this put a glove on. Did something happen? And he's like, oh, no, nothing to see here. His hands look, and again, but it did They were like, like black. It was like kind of freaky. Black. Something occurred. Yeah. Even just knowing you're going out of just saying, you know. I'm also not one of these people who think that politicians owe us detail into like their personal health. It makes me think when like Hillary Clinton passed out on 9-11 before the 2016 election and people were like, oh, she had pneumonia and she didn't have... She could have come out and said, I didn't have breakfast and I was nervous. It was just ridiculous. I mean, you know, but people, the way they reacted to that. So I want to be fair to Mitch McConnell, right? You don't need to tell everyone every single thing. And at some point, I keep saying he's 80. He's like 78, 78, 79. He's close enough to 80. Um, We start taking balls and our hips start popping out and breaking. I mean, come on. But he just really wanted to pretend, which is very Republican. It was very much just like, that's not what you see here. Me looking like I'm dying. It's not, that's not happening. Mm -mm. Nope. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. (laughs) You know what? You say that. And that's really funny because like my observations on the Republican party or what do you call it? Like that white kind of waspy family where there is just, everything's imploding under the surface, you know, (laughs) she's on dad and sister's (laughs) pregnant, but she's being sent off, but she went to boarding school. All of that type of stuff is going on. But in the meantime, they're sitting on the PTA and they're just like, oh my God, it's amazing. Oh, no, Michelle's no, in France <laughs> and she's not in France. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. Oh, that's just our gardener. You know, look over here. Don't look over there. That's my interpretation of the Republican Party, that it, there's all this shit going on and you guys are just like, everything's A-OK, you know? And then there's definitely a game to politics that is just... Yeah, no, at some point you're supposed to govern. And sorry, you mentioned the PTA, which made me think about (laughs) the Harper Valley PTA song, which is a really, really old song. And no one like, uh, yeah, I'm like, I don't know why I know that song. Go ahead. Anyway, no, I'm not going to say it. it. I'm not going to say it. Go ahead. What I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, we'll see what occurs with this Senate trial. Although I think we know how that's going to end. There's really nothing, nothing to see here, folks. Like you said, nothing to see, nothing to see. Only insurrection, only insurrection against our own government, but a light insurrection. I was gonna say, can we call it a white insurrection? Because yeah. I do feel like this would be different if those had been, you know, a bunch of black folks, a bunch of Muslims, a bunch oh, of black yeah. gays. <laughs> you know, I, notice I said black gays, a bunch of Latinos, and not Alaria Baldwin. Real it ones. Real, it, real ones. It would have been dealt with differently. And I do think there would be more unity about what to do. Yeah, I'm gonna start calling it a hashtag a white insurrection because. They don't let black people get that close to the Capitol acting up. Please, please, too much. Come, come in, come on in, sir. Right in, right this way. Step right up. I mean, it was like, you know, walking people down the stairs like it was a ball. Some of the ladies, oh, don't watch your step as you're We'll see you at the next one. (laughs) Grab that gift bag on your way out. (laughs) It's got 
bush beer and jean shorts. <laughs> People at home, I really am going to end this. Oh, and we're not intoxicated. <laughs> oh, we didn't share our drinks. We didn't. We were share so our drink. excited. We didn't. Share what was our your drinks. drink? Let's. We'll end on that. What was your? I had an that? iced coffee with full fat, heavy cream in it, and it was delicious. So she's definitely not intoxicated, folks. And I did have some coffee, but I did have a splash of Bailey's Irish cream. Not but a splash, not- a splash. Yes, but that was but that was it. So on that note, I hope everyone has a lovely week. And I will be back next week to see what, what's happening in America. So thank you for listening. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.